A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, we go. Well, hello, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. Nicholas Barnes from Vitel here. We're the company that provides, for absolutely no recompense at all, the telephone number you can call in and leave a message on. I just wanted to share with you a new feature we've added. You can now use the same telephone number to record a Dumpty Dum for the beginning of the show. It's clever, it's cool, and all the hip kids are doing it. Simply call 0203 031 3105 and follow the prompts. You'll hear my dulcet tones guiding you through the whole thing. And when it comes to record the Dumpty Dum, you'll hear it in your ear while you're singing, humming, instrumenting, or, well, however you're performing it yourself. It's that easy. Oh, and it can be anonymous too. Nobody has to know it's you. Go on, give it a try. 0203 031 3105. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that are centered at Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the fast bowler that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the flabby wobbler that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of the cricket training folks is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum is again from our Francesca Dimich over there in Muppet Land. She was in the Muppet Theatre and uh, she did um, a very good impression of all of those Jim Henderson <laughs> puppets. So thank you for that, Francesca. Henson, now, not Henderson. Well, that's what that's what I meant. You know what I meant. Mm. Um, now, uh, we're going to have to retire Francesca's Dum de Dum because what we do, folks, is we give everybody a two-week outing. So, Lucy, we need a new one. So... If somebody would like to send us in a new Dumpty Dum, how can that be done? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Uh, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Derek for Lone in the Back Bedroom. 
Uh, Derek is back in Ambridge now, and uh, he was planning a musical tribute to the Queen for her forthcoming birthday this week. But the parish council said they've already warned him about getting his organ out on the green. Yay. <laughs> oh, just before we go on to people who we're going to hear on this week's episode, um, this message goes out to, I think she's a mum, and I got a sneaky feeling she might have had um, a little kiddly wink with her but somebody sent me in a dum-de-dum back end of last year round about november time and it's never been played out if that was you could you please send it to me again um i looked through my inbox i went up and down and roundabouts i couldn't find it and i know no no that um somebody sent me in a rather good dum-de-dum so if that is you um you haven't been snubbed it's me <laughs> cleaning out my inbox and getting because i went over me uh me, me allotted 20 gig, Lucy. Right. Oh, so, I uh, so I had to do a call a few months back and I got a sneaky feeling in that call was the dum-de-dum. Ah. So if that was you, don't be there seething, saying that you spent time to do this. It was um, a mess up completely on my part. And I'd like to remedy that by giving you the opportunity to send in the dum-de-dum and say, oi, mush, that was me. Uh, put it up. On this week's show, we hear views from Merlin, Monty, Vicky, Witherspoon, Mog, Got to the Hearty, Red Agnes, Drew, Viv, Walking, Kraken, Shifty Dave, Christopher, Lana, and Merlin. But first, before all that good stuff, top of the shops are Lucy and a week in Ambridge. <laughs> We began the week with Philip Moss Boose, being interviewed by Harassment Burns. Hooray! Oh, my God. About the explosion, <laughs> the horses, the bunting, the stealing of Shergar and the disappearance of Lord Lucan and anything else we can mm. pin the blame on him for. I have to say he's convincing, that Philip. Even if he wasn't being interviewed by someone as catastrophically thick as Harassment, he's a crafty bugger. He even merrily <laughs> sold his own son down the river. Give him a week and he'll be hinting that Krusty's running a black market solvent outfit from the gay Grable's gym. He did give Blake a good review, though. Blake is diligent, apparently. When he does a job, he really does it thoroughly, said Philip. Like when he makes toast, I mean, he really makes toast. <laughs> Then we went over to Ambridge Hall to superintend the moving of Lindy Bottom's bed downstairs. Lillian brought over a Japanese fire screen. Called me oversensitive, but you'd think the last thing the poor woman would want to see when she wakes up swathed in bandages is a fire screen. Lindy is still tetchy with Robert, and to be frank, I can see why. She just wanted to come in, have a sit down, a cup of tea and see the dog. Instead, she found Leonie, a shop cake, her bed on the front doorstep, and then Robert saying, there's someone here to see you. The door burst open and a big bouncy thing jumped on the bed and licked her. Then Freddie went home and Monty came in. <laughs> it's honestly like <laughs> that was the good, that whole was of good. Ambridge has been given the Ladybird book of how not to treat an invalid. And they, are, they have all dutifully read it and are now acting accordingly. For a start, Robert's tension has had a direct effect on his vocal cords, and if he gets any higher, only dolphins will be able to hear him. Right, in the chair, Lindy! Setting aside the moments that again make you glad none of your nearest and dearest happened to be listening to the exchange, like when Linda said, I'm just applying my cream, followed by Robert responding, OK, I'm going to check on the llamas. We had Lillian coming in to see her and saying, Oh, you're walking and talking. You're like a living doll, Linda. And then they forced her to go to the Easter fair. 
And as luck would have it, just at the moment, Kenton discovered his megaphone right where Jolene had hidden it last. This Easter mm. fair was described as having a sense of occasion because it boasted a three-foot chocolate rabbit from Lidl. For goodness sake, if having severe burns, a shattered pelvis and shock isn't enough to allow the woman to get out of it, then what is? Crusty <laughs> continues to get the shitty end of the stick, whatever she does. She managed mm. to dodge out of her dinner with Helen. She just said she had a bit of a dry cough and a temperature. And then accidentally found herself half-heartedly watercoloring papier-mâché Easter eggs with the Reverend Hebden Lloyd. Shula decided to practice her clerical voice, which I've noticed she's using nearly all the time now. They sat down together and Shula cleared her throat and said, You know, on my way here this evening, I saw a cow with a swollen udder. And you know, life's a little bit like that, isn't it? We all feel like cows with swollen udders sometimes. And at that point, Krusty went berserk and smashed Bernard the Chocolate Rabbit's head in with a bottle of Prosecco. But then fortunately, right on cue, Alan appeared. I've realised what he is. He's a Church of England vampire. He slips into an old veg box and goes into stasis until the 23rd of December and Easter Sunday. Then he wafts around the village glad-handing people and telling them God loves them, then clambers back in again. Shula <laughs> is currently obsessed with the Bishop's Advisory Panel Session, or BAPS. Not everyone is as obsessed with... Not everyone is as obsessed with your maps as you are, Shula. It's about strengths and weaknesses, and I don't know what to say, Alistair. I just don't have any weaknesses. Alistair, who having gained our sympathy in his excellent behaviour to his father, seems to have a blind spot as big as the Bermuda Triangle about his erstwhile missus, has offered to coach her. I'm going to set you some real testers, he said. Not like, what's your favourite biscuit? Like, what's your favourite <laughs> cake? Ha <laughs> ha! More complaints at Gay Grables. Room 37 smells funny. It's toast. Or it could be the staff. Light is slowly dawning on Roy about his interview with Blake. Now he's had an entire week to mull it over. The thing is with Roy is that beneath that gormless exterior lies a gormless interior. <laughs> For those that care, Billy Button would have won Bernard the Chocolate Bunny had Krusty not stoved its head in. So instead, he won a frog with a hat on. And he also managed to spell out either arse, arseholes, or Arsenal Football Club, depending on how many eggs he found. <laughs> and we end with Ed and Emma. Look, I know when they wrote this, we weren't in the grip of a global pandemic, but I cannot stand anymore uncertainty. I want to know things for certain, like I want to know when I'm allowed to go to the pub, when I can get some self-raising flour, and when I can stop putting, hope you're all staying well, at the end of every email. I want Ed and Emma to either get together or stay apart. I now actually don't care which. I just can't bear this alternate week shilly-shallying. Is it my week to misunderstand you, Ed, or yours to misunderstand me? <laughs> And who do they go to for advice? Tracy. For one, a woman who's currently going out with a washed-up actor with an identity crisis. And Ed turns to a man in his mid-30s who's never had a permanent relationship and spends his days hiding in a fish tank drinking lager. Emma talked to Ed while he's trying to oversee an Easter hat direct decorating competition for crying out loud. Their idea of an in-depth confidential chat is to say, come over here a minute. Maybe talk to each other for longer than 10 minutes at a time. As you know, it's quite a serious thing, this. And it would be worth devoting, ooh, I don't know, maybe a half hour chat too. Either way, just make your bloody minds up. We are all on a short fuse here. The end. 
Oh dear. God. Yes. Look, look at you. <laughs> Getting all short with Mrs. our Ed and Emma. Hill, that's what but I... you know what though, Lucy? What? So much better than last week. <laughs> and you you want, you want to know the reason why? Why? I love a monologue with a Cliff Richard little gag in it. Oh, I love a little bit of Cliff. Well Cliff done. Richard? Yeah. Oh, Living, Living Doll. Doll. Oh, I forgot that, but yeah. That was, that was, that was the best bit. <laughs> well done, you. Smashing. Ooh, I enjoyed it. Uh, right. Now, mm, I've actually got notes this week, but I uh-huh. realised when I did the notes, I needn't have bothered because we've got one million calls. Uh, yeah, and everyone's going to say exactly what we say, but better. Uh, I don't know about that. Because I've had the opportunity to listen to all the calls, mull them over, uh, do a bit of Wikipedia and a bit of Googling. I've got some great answers. So okay. I don't know about that, Lucy. All, all right. right. I think we might be able to top our caller in just this once. Okay. It's only taken us 325 episodes, but I think we got the better <laughs> of them. Let's go. Hello, Ambridge3962. Right, it's this Kraken person, and I don't know if she's walking or waking. Waking. Do some, there, there you go. There, she's doing that, and she's a Kraken. Isn't that some kind of Greek monster or something? Yeah. All right, then, smashing. Here we go. Hello, Royfield, Lucy, and everyone. It's Waking Kraken here. Not been around for a while, but I've finally caught up on lots and lots of Dumpty Dums. Um, so I'd like to say hello, Smuggy McSmugface. Uh, you know who you are. And um, I'm absolutely loving what's going on with Robert and Linda at the moment. I think it's so realistic with somebody that's been injured um, and traumatised to go um, to have such mood swings. Absolutely fantastic. Um Quick bit of news from Kraken Towers. Clary, uh, Helen and Tracy the Hens are enjoying the sun. They're loving it. Um, Clary was a little bit poorly, but she's lots better now. Thank you. Um, and my plot prediction. So I think once um, the coronavirus has hit Ambridge, um, Peggy will be seen walking out of the village, out of Ambridge Ageddon, like a cockroach at the end of time. <laughs> she will just wander out completely unscathed because she is a vampire. Okay, I'm glad we've got that sorted. Um, so keep up the good work. Absolutely loving um, the extra bits that Shambridge and Lucy are doing. Um, could you be sponsored by Tenor Lady, please? Um, it is getting a little a bit embarrassing with all the giggling going on, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Have fun. Enjoy the sun. Take care. Bye. Mm. <laughs> ah, yes, I also think the Robert and Linda stuff is very well written. And I was very moved when she said that she didn't want him to see her in the bath. And he said, mm. I've seen you before. And she said, no, 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 no. And he said, you're my Lindy. And they, oh, it's just lovely. Mm. So but they're... they're their their relationship is just so lovely, I think. It's so real and it's so human and so... Real in that he can't do right for doing wrong at the moment. Yeah. And she knows it and she feels guilty about the mm. fact that she's being horrible to him. And then she, she, because she feels guilty, she feels 
grumpy and then she takes that out on him as well and you know but the fact that he just absorbs it all and just understands and when he said to Leonie it's not about you it's not about me it's about her and uh you know mm. yeah very nice true and and it broke know- my heart when Kent the pillar Kenton tried to get her to say something at the fate you know that was just awful I hated it mm. to see her because normally you could you know stick a stick a microphone under her nose and she'd just go on for hours but you know the fact that she couldn't was awful horrible to hear mm. uh, she didn't want to be there at all did she or nope. at least she just wanted to be on the periphery yeah at, at, at the very least yeah. and stuff and uh, didn't want to be the center of attention which shows you um how this thing has uh, has really hit her. Mm, so, yeah. uh, so thank you for that, um, our 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 Greek uh, monster of antiquity. Uh, now um, let's go on to. Oh, he says we missed him last week. Oh, right? Be- because we did. It's it's our boy from the Garden State, from from Glastonbury, New Jersey. It's Merlin. Oh. Hello, everyone in Dumpty Dumland. This is Merlin speaking, reporting in from New Jersey. I thought I'd be reporting in from around the world this year, but obviously that's not happening. You may not get this. You didn't get my message last week. I'm out of sync. Royfield's recording earlier because he's obviously got nothing else to do. So I don't know. You may or may not hear this. (laughs) Anyway, first off, general store. No, no, no. You cannot diss Debbie. I love Debbie. Debbie's fantastic. If I was still a vet visiting her farm, She'd get me in an awful lot of trouble. One of my favorite <laughs> characters. I really wish she would turn up more often. Really liking the storyline with Linda. I think that's being done really well. No surprise. Yeah. just does tackle things like that very well, and we're going to see how that develops. Looking forward to hearing more from that and seeing how she copes, especially with Robert just making so many mistakes, which you can understand how that's so easy to do. I don't understand why everyone wants Kirsty to get back with Tom. Seems to be a common theme between Dumpty Dum listeners, but that's just horrible for her. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen. And I really can't think of anything else to say. Apart from, I hope everyone is well. Stay safe. Mm. And you, sir. Thank you. Uh, so um, did he not say anything that we need to respond to other than don't take, uh, don't have a go at my Debbie? No, nope, that was that it. it. Don't All right, smashing. Debbie. Well, let, let's move on then. <laughs> Thank you for that, Merlin. <laughs> If you thought that's a worthwhile contribution, that's <laughs> uh, nice, Christopher. Woo-hoo-hoo. Hello, everybody. I hope you're all well. Um, this winter, um, my local cricket club invited people like myself. Um, that is, people who dearly love the game, but I've never had the opportunity to play. Um, and we were invited for a series of practice sessions um, where we learned all about the fundamentals of the game in terms of how to play. I can't tell you how wonderful it was. And um, for somebody who for so many years has has watched, listened to and read about this game, um, who sat for endless afternoons at Lords or Edgebaston or on Village Greens, the opportunity to hold a bat, to have a net session, um, was just what I will never forget. And so listening to the archers this week, I wondered to myself how different the experience might have been had I not been welcomed and encouraged and instead subjected to the dreadful (laughs) hectoring of Tracy Horbin. Tracy is capable of of (laughs) kindness, of generosity, even of wisdom, as a lot of archers have heard. But lurking within her can be a real bully, 
Tracy is a good cricketer, but she does not understand the game. She thinks it is only about winning. Tracy um, Thomas Moult said that cricket is an ancient pastime. It has ripened sweetly. It has endured nobly. <laughs> it is also fundamental to what Ambridge is. And it has been and will be ruined by people like Tracy. The other thing I wanted to say before I go was about Leone. She was wrong in what she said. But I think she said what I suspect many other people mm. were thinking. Bye. Bye. I think Tracy is just... <laughs> it really made me laugh, that bit. Sorry, Christopher, if I have upset the hallowed um, thingy of um, cricket. But uh, when she said about... It's not about the taking part, it's about the winning. She said, that's what you used to say at my primary school. We won nothing. <laughs> but... I think she's, she is just fiercely competitive. And um, I don't think that would go as as marked if it was a bloke being like that. But because it's a woman and she is, you know, nice and compassionate and everything else the rest of the time, uh, she just gets a bit fierce about cricket. And that's fair enough. I mean, she can't, st- you know, the fact that she's... <laughs> sledging members of her own team because she thinks they're not good enough you know but she just wants to win she doesn't want to mess around and um you know I don't mind that really but then I'm not a you know somebody that you know obsessively watches cricket matches so you know maybe I would feel strongly about it otherwise but I just I just think it's unusual to see that in uh a woman especially in the context of of um uh, dramatically, especially in the context of, of Ambridge, because it's all about, you know, oh, who's making the tea and competition between Shula and between um, uh, Clary and Susan about teas and stuff uh, while, you know, the boys do the running around sort of thing. Mm. Um, this whole thing about wanting to win and not having the ethos of the game it goes to the heart of British sport. And we see class in everything, you and I. Mm. But there is a class divide in this. And I know Harrison isn't, you know, some landed member of the gentry. But up until as late as the 1950s, the captain of the English cricket team was always a gentleman. Yeah. And the rest were the players. Yeah. In, um, have you seen the English game on Netflix? No. All right. So the, 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 the setup is it's set in what the 1870s and it's the FA Cup. The FA Cup's only been running for about 10 years by then, but it's always won by the alumni of, um, public schools, mm. old Etonians, all this type of mm-hmm. thing, right? And at that point, in the north of England, in the mill towns, uh, towns start forming their own football teams, and but they never win the FA Cup. And one of the rules of the Football Association, which is, of course, all run by these ex-public schoolboys, is that uh, the game is strictly amateur. You play just for the love, for the spirit, yeah, but yeah. they all want to win. But they say things like, you cannot pay your players. 
And then these northern, uh, like these mill owners in these northern towns, then start to have ringers in their team. So they'll start paying people, you know, come into my factory, pretend like you're working, but really you're a professional footballer. It's the way they get round it. And the English game is an interesting, it's not going to change your life if you watch it on Netflix, but it's an interesting series. And it's put together, it's put together by the guy who did um, Downton Abbey. Fellows, what's Julian his name? Fellows. Just, there you go. And it's actually cynically done in terms of the subject matter because there's enough costume in it, so the ladies will like it, and there's enough football in it, but not too much that the blokes will like it. So it's are you are? Cynical. Are you joking? I'm being I'm being deadly serious, right? There's if costumes you... in it for the ladies. Lucy, how did I say that? I That's said what I said it. to you. Are you joking? Oh, I think it's been cynically done in, in that way. Okay. Right? They've got, here's a core demographic, people that like costume dramas. Let's say people, right? So people don't misconstrue the fact that uh, what I'm trying to say. And then there is enough class conflict and also social commentary and footy that other people that like that type of stuff will watch it too. Mm. Okay. And at the heart of it is changing Victorian mores and how uh, professionalism comes into football and how football physically changes how the game is played. But at its heart is this, you just, it's the spirit of playing. But of course, the middle class and the ex-public school boys could all afford to be amateur because they all had bloody good jobs. It's the mm. whole point. They could afford to take it as a bit of a, uh, we'll just roll out once, twice a yeah. week, have a bit of a knockabout, and then, then we'll play the game. And to keep their advantage, then they said, but you can't be paid to play this. Mm. So it's hard not to hear those echoes when Harrison is saying to, um, to Tracy. Tracy, this, you know, it's it's yeah. the playing of the game. Yeah. Because historically, whether it's football, cricket or rugby, and think about it, only in our lifetimes, in the last 30 years, has rugby union become professional. Mm. It was blokes having a lark. And the ones that wanted to do it seriously were relegated to play rugby league. Mm. You know, you're, you're not a chap. You're mm. not a chap. You know, you're, you're an oik, go over there and do that. And it's hard not to hear those echoes and stuff. And, and as somebody who loves not only history, and, but cricket, as the whole Bodyline um, series in the 1930s, where the English go to Australia to win the Ashes and start bowling the ball at the Australian batsman body line to intimidate them. But it's Harold Larwood, the English working class bowler that gets in the neck, even though his gentleman captain, Jardine, who was actually crap as a player, but he was a right sort, told him to do it. Mm. It was Harold Larwood that got all the stick. Mm. And this created such a major diplomatic incident and whatever. So... Let Tracy be Tracy. Can you remember the last time Ambridge actually even won uh, the cricket season? <laughs> no. 
I, I think a change in attitude <laughs> is actually yeah. due. Yeah. I mean, they all they all miss they all miss it at the drop of a hat, don't they? But in fact, it reminded me when um, my friend uh, was in LA, lives in LA, and uh, he, he it was raining the other day, and it was so exciting that it was raining that he uh, him and his little girl went out to play in the puddles. And he filmed mm. her doing it to send to people at home, forgetting that we actually see quite a lot of rain and that we're not that impressed by puddles. Um, <laughs> but he'd sort of forgotten that. And he, we were laughing about it. And he said that when it rains heavily, where he, he lives in um, Hollywood, he said, when it rains heavily there, people won't come to work. They ring in and say, I can't come because of the weather because they don't know how to drive in the rain. And it, it's kind of like that with the cricket, really. Any bloody excuse not to go to nets or not to go, you know, I can't play because my leg's hurting. I can't play because it's milking or it's bailing or it's lambing or it's, there's always a re, I'm too busy at work. Roy says, I'm too busy at work. There's always, none of them are remotely committed. They're really not, except Tracy, who would turn up in the middle of a, you know, a hailstorm. True. But it is it is that kind of inherent problem of um, you know most people just want to do it for a little bit of a lark and it's a nice thing to do you know to have a little bit of exercise and there's always one or two on you know an amateur team yeah. who take it a little bit more yeah, seriously yeah. than, than everybody else. About by everyone else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was yeah. like bloody hell, they're, yeah. they're really putting it about a bit this week, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> You know, crunching into those yeah. tackles if it's football you're playing or bowling the ball a little bit too fast and hard. But and Brittany needs a change in attitude. Yeah. You know, it really does. Yeah. They, they are rubbish. And But to be fair to Harrison, you know, he did lead the revolution a couple of years back by having women on the cricket team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, but let's... But let he sees Tracy it more t- as some sort of community activity and Tracy sees it as a competition to be won. That's the the problem, isn't it? That's the sort of the big contrast between them. True that. That 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 you've neatly encapsulated it. Uh, but I must admit, I'm erring on the side of Tracy here, mm, even too. though um, she's more I fun to a... listen to rather than going, oh well, ooh, Darrington are really scary. Ooh, little Croxley are rude to us. <laughs> ooh, ooh, you know, God. <laughs> True. Uh, that was Christopher. That was me talking about cricket, football, class divide, gentlemen and players. Now it's a, let's have a little bit of Lana. Oh, she's a first time caller in her. Hello, it's Lana here in sunny Scotland. I am a first time caller in her and I've got a similar vintage to many. I started listening because my mum listened when I was wee, but started listening on my own free will only recently, probably around the Rob and Helen storyline. So I guess that makes me a Lexi, which, well, there could be worse. Could be worse. So I just had a thought. When Ambrose returns from the alternate time dimension in which it has been relegated to and joins us in the real day of the week, I wonder who the missing days will be dealt with. Will there be a very long episode in which someone, preferably Tracy, recaps the missing days? Will it be ignored entirely? And will I need to assume that nothing of consequence happened during those days? Or will the residents of Ambridge wake up somewhere in the middle of May and realise they're all missing a week mysteriously? This could open up some nice Doctor Who type plot opportunities. I'm not entirely sure how that would fit into the reality of the world of Borsetshire, although perhaps a diversion from reality is just what we'll need by then. Yes, so I'm interested to see what happens. Oh, thank you for that, Lana. Bye. Uh 
What do you reckon, Alice? Um, yeah, I like the way she said, <laughs> will nothing of any consequence happen? Nothing of any consequence ever happens, Lana. Um, uh, it, it's, it's weird having it not on the same day. It's, it will be, I just, uh, there's various, people are sort of suggesting things that could happen while they're on hiatus that we could get various storylines out of the way. Somebody rather bafflingly said on Twitter, ooh, I hope Philip doesn't find out about, I hope Harrisman doesn't find out about Philip while they're off air. <laughs> I think it's, it's unlikely, but anyway, um, you know, in the bit where they're playing all the archive stuff. Um, <laughs> and um, various people have suggested, you know, that we could tie up a few crappy storylines in that bit and then come back and they're all done and dusted. Um, I don't know because I don't know how they're going to do this monologue business uh, when they do come back. Because it's, when is it from, is it the whole of May they're out? Yeah, Near it's like enough, three weeks it? in yeah, May. Three yeah, three weeks in May. Um, when we're going to have the archive stuff. Um, so yeah, I'd imagine that we'll just come back into the middle of the virus. So we'll come back into the middle of lockdown or just coming out of lockdown maybe and then we'll just hear because then we'll hear about you know what's been happening during lockdown which won't be a great deal because nothing is really happening so that will be quite an easy way to do it um quilted bunny actually uh, messaged about this and said the last time i call her in Royfield blew me a raspberry, something to do with partridge to wealth. This traumatized me so much that I'm now resorting to email. I have a suggestion. <laughs> Sometime between the beginning of May and the resumption of normal episodes, I propose uh, that Kathy quits as manager of Gay Grables. She is, after all, over 60, to go and live nearer Jamie. Where does Jamie live? When normality returns, it can be with Roy as acting manager, wondering if he'll get the job permanently or be let go when someone else takes over. He will, of course, get the job. Maybe Lexi will get the assistant job if there's enough time left under the rules. But the main thing will be that the Kathy situation will have been resolved. Take care, everybody, Quilted Bunny. Um, yes, that's quite interesting. The idea, sort of using that time to get get rid of hanging you know like in in grammar you have a dangling qualifier we kind of have dangling storylines don't we so get rid of a few dangling storylines would be quite useful mm. um just to slightly go back to one of the things that you know lana was saying about having you know the old episodes and stuff um i know a couple of people have actually said on on twitter and social media oh we should go back and have you know go back all the way to the start of the archive i'm going to say something controversial now and i have said this somewhere on social media i can't remember if it was the flick app or whether it was twitter i can't remember but a lot of those episodes from the 50s and 60s and possibly even halfway through the 70s are more of a historical document mm. as to the drama mores of the time than they yeah. are. You yeah. know, they they aren't yeah. great. They're no. not. <laughs> I agree. I agree. They're not. Yeah. There was an episode which somebody posted, I think on Twitter about three, it's about a month ago or so, which was a whole episode which was set in the ball. It's about 1958 and they just did folk songs. 
No, and it, really? It was dreadful. <laughs> and they said, when you think the Archers used to be better and we complain, have a listen to this. <laughs> and it is, and it's like... Um, and it's like Jethro. Jethro's in the corner. He says, I remember... I can't do a Jethro yeah. accent, but I remember an old Borchester uh, song. And it goes like this. Diddly, 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 dum, diddly, diddly, dum. And then everybody goes, well done, Jethro. <laughs> and somebody says, oh, I've got one. You know, the posh person. I've got one. It's about the little boy down by the brook. It's the whole episode, Lucy. Oh, no. So trust me, folks, you do not want to go back and hear the archive of the archers. Yes, you know, you could you could say when the barn burns down. Um, yes, I think, you know, hearing episode one, as stilted as that will sound, because it's going to sound dreadful just because it's the very first episode. But you do not want to be digging into the, the <laughs> 50s and the 60s and the early 70s of the Archers. You'll come Let back sorely disappointed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let it lie is indeed the right expression. You listen back to Archers in the mid 80s. Mm. And it's familiar voices. It's Brian. It's Susan. And that just sounds so stilted. Hello. What are you doing? I'm walking over here. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, trust me, you, don't, you wouldn't wish to listen to all those episodes if you don't have to. Right. That's Lana. First time called Rinnera. Well done, you. Nice to get n yet another Caledonian mm. on the show. Now it's uh, Shifty Davy, who uh, is sometimes from Fife. Hello, Lucy. Hello, Royfield. It's Shifty Davy here from Fife and no other places. Uh, God, lockdown's <laughs> boring. I can't wait to run through a meadow with you all rubbing my face, showering. <laughs> unsocially distant kisses upon all dumpty dummers everywhere. I just finished listening to what would have been the Easter Sunday episode, but was in fact on Friday. And I was thinking that there is a virus already stalking Ambridge and they need to deal with it. It's a virus that invades the brain and causes people to uh, misunderstand what each other are saying. Mm. And so speak at cross purposes, unable to realize that another person might wish to apologize or may wish to get back together with them and mm. the only way to deal with it is to um, after you've spoken to somebody for 20 minutes you should 20 seconds you should sing the national anthem and then you should say i'm sorry i just want to check is it possible that i may have misunderstood something that you intended to say <laughs> or misinterpreted any of your emotions and that should sort it out <laughs> The other thing I thought was very funny was that during the Easter egg hunt, the Easter egg hunt, I thought it was very funny when someone was looking for Shula and uh, Emma said, you'd find her on the egg hunt table. <laughs> 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 Over on the egg, egg hunt table. I think that was a joke that was meant. Anyway, I hope that's not too mischievous for the uh, podcast, which I'm enjoying very much and is the only raft of sanity that I can cling to during these tiresome, tiresome times. To our Davy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You see, it is. It's that. It's the Edinema thing again. It's the misunderstandings, isn't it? 
Mm. It's driving me mad. So it's not just me. It's him too. It's a tried and tested dramatic uh, trope and we're just tired of it. Mm. And it's even more excruciating considering a deaf person could work out that both of them are still in love with the other. And this is a timing issue as well as a communication issue. Uh, It's a timing issue in terms of them both... uh, at the same time realising that probably they are better off together or at least they need to give it another chance. But we've seen it on so many other continuing dramas that we just kind of think we're better than this and we need to be served with a bit of drama which is more deftly written than this. Couples can uh, do a bit of a slow dance around each other in terms of getting back together without going for this very obvious trope. Yeah. I mean, what was that shite about, I haven't seen anywhere yet, then the next minute Chris is saying, can I get all the furniture out because she's found somewhere? You know, this all took place over the space of a two-hour Easter fete. How how could she have found somewhere while she was standing marshalling a blooming Easter egg table, for God's Mm. sake? It's just, it's just really, it, really lets them down. It, it it really does. Unless this is Emma um, deliberately trying to up the ante just so Ed does react, which but in and of itself. Talk, but they haven't actually had a proper talk. Mm. They did this Loose. ridiculous wandering through the woods and her saying, so I think, and then him getting, and then him saying, no, but instead of thinking about it, coming back the next day and going, yes, all right, but let's go out for dinner and we'll have, even if they just went to the bloody pub, went sat on the village green, I don't care where they go, but just talk for longer than two minutes. She said, oh, just come, um, come somewhere, let, come over here. Let's talk somewhere less privately. And it's like two steps away in the middle of the Easter fair. <laughs> it's just, mm. oh, for God's sake. And it's something that, you know, affects the whole of the rest of their lives. And we're supposed to believe that they can't actually set aside an entire evening to talk about this properly. It's mental and it's it's patronizing, really patronizing. I hate it. It just devalues. But you, know, but you know what though, Luce, right? Whilst I in part agree with you, in part I, I also don't as well. Just because that's the way that you would do it, doesn't mean that other people should act in that way. And I know many a couple who got through their whole relationships together without sitting down and having, in inverted commas, a proper conversation. Many couples that have bumped their way back together without having a meaningful kind of conversation as well. Oh my God, well, God help them. Well, I can think of two and they're still together after like 10 years after they'd split up. So that's not to say that, you know, the inherent problems have or haven't been dealt with because I don't know I don't know the inner workings of, of anybody's relationship. But, you know, I would like to think if I was in Ed's situation, I would just wander up to Emma and I'd say, look, we need to we need to talk about this. We both still obviously still have feelings for each other. Let's go down the ball, have a drink, 
and 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 have you know and have dinner yeah. and talk about it. That's the way that I would do it. But not everybody is is so inclined, and some people don't have the emotional and articulate. It's <laughs> somewhat ironic if I was going to say articulate dexterity, and I couldn't even say it, and whatever I tripped over saying it, but can't put emotion into words. And, and be able to articulate themselves so they're not betraying their true emotions and to be able to be emotionally honest and then come to some kind of agreement or a compact with somebody about something as important and as serious as the way that they feel about them. Some people just can't do it in, mm -hmm. in that kind of yeah. uh, measured way. And I would say that Ed's kind of slightly in that camp, you mm -hmm. know. but. You know, um, I'm all up for the they're slightly misunderstanding each other. They're, you know, bumbling their way to get back together. But I don't want them to use this as the mechanism. It's a case of, yeah. you know, yeah. you misunderstood me. I've said this, yeah. but you didn't quite, un you know, that's like, come on. It's, we, and we you just... know what? You can, yeah, I can see it coming. It's going to be some bollocks where... Tracy and Jazza get them together again. You know, oh, t t you, somebody wants to meet you about a new car, Ed and Emma. Somebody wants to meet, you know, and then they'll they'll be trapped together and they'll have to talk and they'll sort it out. That will be it. And then mm. I'll throw things vigorously at the radio. All right. Uh, that's Shifty Davey up there in Fife. Lockdown. You can't be uh, Shifty Davey but anywhere else other than Fife. But now it's Viv. Hello. It's uh, Viv from Lambeth. So... Firstly, I'm becoming increasingly indignant that those of us who live in council flats are being prevented from sitting on benches in green spaces, whilst our wealthy neighbours who live in large houses with access to a private square are permitted to sunbathe and picnic and generally loiter with impunity. Uh, coronavirus does discriminate because society does, and it's really annoying. OK, so secondly, cricket <laughs> you know, I cannot for the life of me understand why anyone would want to play such a ridiculous game, let alone watch it. But given that they do, surely it is only worthwhile and entertaining if all the players are doing their utmost to win. Yes. The answer is, of course, yes. And don't call me Shirley. So <laughs> up with Tracy and down with COVID-19. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. Quite right. I agree with her on all counts. Yes. Mm. Um, that's it. Yes, that's exactly it. Why Why are they playing if not to win? And Tracy wants to win. And what is wrong with that? Nout. Apart from she shouldn't be sledging people in her own team. That's not very nice. Well, it's that. Um, it's one of those kind of cliches of management, isn't it? Some people need an arm around them. Some people need a kick up the backside. Yeah. You know. Yep. And um, and Tracy's gone for the kick up the backside. Well, she sort of puts an arm around them while kicking them up the backside, which is quite, <laughs> quite, quite tricky. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, right, so that's Viv. Thank you for that, Viv in Lambeth. Now, it's our Drew. Oh, he's from Hamilton, but he's currently in Tokyo. Hello, Dumpty Dum Gang. This is Drew calling in from Tokyo. It's just gone past the anniversary of my first caller in, so I think that my credentials might have expired. I'll renew them now <laughs> just in case. I was born in Guelph, near Toronto in Canada, but now I've been living in Tokyo for the past 16 years. 
my job is professional computer nerd and lunch delivery specialist. And I first started listening to the archers just before the IBR storyline, which makes my vintage uh, a diseased cow. <laughs> my other claim to fame is that I patented the use of the bunting emoji. So I'm calling in this week to talk about Tracy. I know that we all love Tracy, and so do I, but I think she's got a bit of a, a blind spot about the cricket. I think, you know, I myself is a bit disappointed uh, with her attitude. I haven't been listening to the Archers for long enough. I guess I've always assumed that the cricket is supposed to be a just-for-fun league. No. But she's treating it like it's <laughs> Ambridge's entry in the Olympics. Um but it's really hit home for me because I myself have often not gone to join group activities because I'm anxious that since I'm a beginner at something, it won't be any fun for the other people who have to participate with me. And, you know, I'm sometimes able to talk myself out of this mindset and I've always ended up having fun. But, you know, this attitude that the only people who should be allowed to enjoy doing something are the people who are already really good at it is disheartening. Anyway, that's it for me. I uh, love the show. Talk to you soon. Bye. Mm. That is a good point. And I think they should do two leagues, two <laughs> teams. So they should have the beginners team and then they should have the serious one that actually plays other people. Um, there was a big piece the other day in one of the newspapers, probably the Times, uh, about there was some research that showed that PE teachers could actually seriously damage people's attitudes to um, health and fitness later on in their lives. And that if you had the, like the famous um, PE teacher in the film, Kez, for example, if you had a games teacher like that, you would just, the second, if you weren't one of the people that could do it, you just had to give up. Um, and, and you didn't want to do anything to draw attention to yourself. You didn't want to um, risk getting it wrong because you wouldn't be encouraged. You'd be humiliated, blah, blah, blah. So um, I think there is an element of of that in Tracy, definitely. But I do think that it is there to be one. Otherwise, why bother having a competitive side at all? Why not just piss around on the village green and basically just tiddle up and down? Um so, but then maybe they need to have uh, to encourage the beginners by having, um, you know, a beginners side, and then you know, have a have a the, the competitive lot. You're wrong. Am I? It's <laughs> an inherent tension in all amateur, in inverted commas, just for fun right. teams, and it's just the way it is. It and 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 it's a divide in life. And mm. you get two or three who are bloody good and have got some story behind it. I, I once had trials for Brentford. <laughs> I, I was the, the, the county captain for cricket for Sussex, you know, and they're now 60, but they still yeah. harbour yeah, those yeah. dreams. You know, it's just life. And then you get people who just like trot along and whatever, and like, oh, this is this is a bit of a lark. <laughs> it's that's just that's the team. That's way that's life. I t did I tell you about my it. son playing cricket when he was nope. little? He 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 played <laughs> when he was um, six, seven, I think. Mm. It was like, a, and there was a cricket, a proper cricket dad there, right? The rest of us, there was a bar. We used to wander down on a nice sunny evening, <laughs> and. Um, we, I bring my laptop 
you could get a nice drink from the bar. You could sit there in the sun, watching the, the sun set behind the elm trees and uh, the, the little boys all running around playing cricket. And um, but then there was Cricket Dad who turned up in his cricket <laughs> hat with his... His son was called Atticus, I think. He had brought a shooting stick with him to sit on and he had a flask and he would bellow instructions at all these little boys running around. He wasn't anything to do with it. He was just a parent. Um, mm. And uh, he said to me, "That's my, he sort of caught my eye and I thought, oh God, he's going to want to talk to me, isn't he? And he said, that's my boy over there. He said, he's, 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 he's just like spin. He's doing spin. I said, oh yeah, that's very good. <laughs> Terrific. And um, he said, where's your chap? Where's your chap? I said, oh, he's over there. He's the small one doing cartwheels around the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, right. Yes. Well, you know, some of them do take, do take, do take a few weeks to, to, uh, to understand the seriousness of it, he said. And I thought, I'd be not coming here again because you're an idiot. <laughs> so we didn't. William said, can I not just keep going and run around the field? I said, no, apparently not. So that was that. <laughs> Poor William. But, you know, but it's one of, the, um, one of the big differences between the US and the UK is and how Little serious. League and all that stuff. Exactly. It's all organized, exactly. isn't it? And, and, but also with the reverence they have for the coach yeah you're a big deal if yeah. you teach american children and teenagers in any sport you are coach until the day you die and yes. i was saying to somebody just two three months ago in america we don't have such an exalted no. position in the uk no. like no. seriously we have some like, knackered get in an anorak smoking a benson and edges wishing everyone would go <laughs> home because he didn't want to be there <laughs> exactly yeah but then also... That's why we lead the world in sport. <clears throat> yes. Mind you, America don't either. So there we go. Well, we're getting back to uh, the earlier point about gentlemen and players. Mm, like yeah. the rest of the world had no truck with this nonsense yeah. at all, which is the reason why we invented football, rugby, uh, cricket, and then the rest of the world just went, you know what, we're going to take this quite seriously and have yeah. our best players in every position. We're not going to reserve, you know, the, the captain to be the gentleman. Yeah. Or, you know, say that people can't be uh, paid to play. Did you say that William was playing for the school team? What team was it? No, it was just the local team. It was supposed mm. to be um, just to teach them about cricket, like a cricket class, you know. Mm. But it sort of got hijacked by the... Um... <laughs> by, by, <laughs> by the, the serious, serious boys. The yeah. serious men. But, but, but there the are all these dads. problems now, aren't there, with soccer dad football yeah. dad and football yeah. mum and yeah. they run onto the pitch and start yeah. remonstrating with the referee when he's given well, a, my, a decision against their son and start fighting my friend is a talent spotter for and he he works with the young podcast production talent spotting for no. podcast production no. oh, okay. um for well, professional footballers sit back down then okay. and um he works with all the young ones like he he works with all the young ones and then and then organizes transfers for them when they make sort of the big the big league and um mm. he said he he was telling me once about the 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 football parents and it's predominantly the fathers in this situation mm. and uh, i could not believe it and he said i have had to ban far more fathers and di ban discipline and send off far more fathers than i've ever had to send off their children 
the the, the young footballers themselves. He said they mm. are vile. He said they humiliate the they humiliate their own children because they're thinking, oh God, Dad, just sit down, stop. They argue with the refs. Yeah. They pick fights with the other, you know, the parents of the other children that are playing. And he said, the, he said, we're actually thinking of getting it written in the contract that you must not come and watch your child play. Because he said, it's just not, it's so awful. Most of the, the majority of the time, they're badly behaved. Because he said, mm. they've got so much invested in their child doing well, and they take it as a personal affront if their child does not do well or is not picked or does not excel or is challenged or gets sent off or whatever. They just go absolutely berserk. Mm. But it's, it, but, yeah, but also it's a fundamental lack of respect and, and, and respect for the fact that you actually do need an opposition. Yeah. Right. Yes. Because otherwise there is no game. Yes. Yes. yes right. There is and that. you need someone to officiate who is seen as being neutral. It's a fundamental lack of respect and understanding uh, for the wider concepts of the game, you know, and I've got no truck with those people at all. But the point I was trying to make before is there is a natural kind of hierarchy of all to all of this and it is a case of you know you have the school team let's just say a bunch of 10 year olds 11 year olds and whether it's netball whether it's rounders it's cricket um the the fundamental nature of it is you'll probably have two or three in any one year who are actually truly quite good Mm. then the rest are a bit average then you need some others just to make up the team numbers who can be bothered enough to come along and and that's that. And then, of course, the ones who are truly good or the ones that aspire to be good say to their mum, mum, dad, dad, mum, I, I really like football, netball, rounders, basketball, whatever the heck it is. Then they go and find them, the, the, the local association that plays that. And then you get, um, whether it's, you know, if it's football, it's 11, you know, quite decently uh, skilled and motivated kids and with parents who are prepared to drive them from place A to place B who can afford to buy them some kit etc blah 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 and then out of that team of 11 or whatever the heck it is if it's basketball it's going to be five there's another two who are truly good that represent the county etc etc so I just think when you come down to the Ambridge level it is like a school team mm. you know and it's a case of you get two or three that are actually yeah. quite good some that are average couple are just making up the numbers that's just the that's just the way that it's been for eons shut your cake hole you know <laughs> yeah it, it is what it is i understand susan's frustration i absolutely do tracy's frustration Sorry, Tracy's frustration. Thank you. But then, but, I mean, as I was just saying, you know, we should have two, they should have two teams, one for the beginners and one for, but they can't, they generally can't find enough players to field a no, whole team that's anyway, the reason can they? why yeah. they, they took the radical decision yeah. of putting women in it, yeah. women in it, you know, because they couldn't. Yeah. You know, they saw it as being, oh my goodness, we're not going to, Ambridge cricket's going to be o- over. Mm. And there was Will Grundy basically saying, let's merge with Darrington. Yeah, rather you than let <laughs> You know, because the women are only <laughs> good just to make in. the cream teas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So whilst I feel for Tracy, and uh, as uh, somebody who who's run a, a works football side, 
sometimes you just have to just 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 get on with it and just fully appreciate that as much as you want to kick people up the backside some people you can kick them and there still will be crap mm. that's just the way that it is and shouting at them might mean that they won't turn up at all yeah <laughs> i would now <laughs> now let's go up north red agnes hello Red Agnes from up north here. Can you tell I've been practicing my impersonations? I've got a few, I've got a way to go to um, keep up with you guys. Anyway, this week, uh, continuing my procrastination, writing my essay, but it's nearly done. Being a key worker and um, a student, I absolutely agree with Babs and Trevor. It's fucking me off people learning how to do basket weaving when I'm busy. Yeah. Anyway, only in soaps do working class people say any road. Nobody says any road. However, I'm working up trying to say how so at some point this week because it sounds quite erudite and I want to be like Oliver. Thanks for the Zoom meet as it allowed me to indulge my girl crush on Catherine Rowan-Jones. I love her voice. This week, can we have a two-minute hate slot for Shula? She is such a smug cow. Can't be doing with her. Couldn't find any particular pedantry this week, but I'm still going back to why you switch your grill on when you're really hungry and you've got petrol in the building. How thick can you be? Anyway, keep up the good work, guys and girls, and see you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. It's a lovely scene on, on, on the Zoom chat. She was cuddled up with her chat, was our red Agnes. Ah. Yeah. And she was, she was dangling something in front of her webcam. Was she? Uh, that, yeah, no, nothing rude. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, you had enough of that last week. I, I, I just realised what, what I was uh, potentially, uh, the, the image I was putting in people's minds. No, it was nothing rude. She was just like playing along with something. And I had to say, what is that you're playing with? And it was some toy of some sort. But she was there uh, with Mr. with Mr. Red Agnes and they were cuddled up. And it was a, it was a lovely scene to, to watch, to see. So there you hmm. go. That's Red Agnes, call from up north. Um, I didn't realise that people didn't say any road anymore. No, they don't. Mm. I'm not even sure any road up. I'm not even sure which, what locality that's supposed to come from, that phrase. I've never heard anyone say it in real life. Mm. I've only heard them say it on bad comedies. Oh, well. Mm. well you... I shall investigate. Yeah, please do, and come back with your findings next week. Uh, okay. Now it's uh, Margot with a hard tea from the Garden State. Good afternoon, Royfield, Lucy, and Dumpty Dummers all over the world. It's Margot from New Jersey. Did anyone else cry during the reunion of Monty and Linda? I was a real baby about that. It makes me feel like I need a dog again in my life. I don't think my cat would ever be that happy to see me. <laughs> Already we're seeing how Linda's accident has affected her on her return home. Of course, this week was going to be tough on Linda and Kenton announcing her at the Easter festival. Why can't anyone seem to see that this would be hard on her? Yes. I'm just taken aback that there seems to be a supreme lack of empathy for Linda from Leone to Kenton. Everyone needs to just go easier on Linda from the way they make it seem half of her face has to be burnt off. So why can't anyone see that she might not want to be at the forefront right now? Are Oliver and Roy going to be the ones to start to put the pieces together about the events that have led up to the explosion? I still want Kirsty to be the one that puts these pieces together, but maybe this will be more of a group effort. At least we all know that there's no way that Harrison will solve this one. Otherwise, I think <laughs> we're well on our way to an Ed and Emma reunion. As soon as Emma tries to leave the village, Ed will be there to pour his heart out and Emma will go right back. Otherwise, I hope you guys are all keeping happy and healthy. You have a great week. Thank hmm. you. 
Um, I think I I agree about um, Linda, and yes, it was very moving when she when she met lovely old Monty again. But I think the trouble is, no, we have seen Linda being vulnerable, and Robert has seen Linda being vulnerable. And Lillian has, and Freddie has, all the others, the ones that are being insensitive, like Christopher Carter and Kenton, have only ever seen Linda as a very overconfident and cocky pain in the arse. So they would just assume that she had had this appalling thing happen to her. Oh, hurrah, look, she's back. Good old Linda, indomitable. She's out of hospital you know, isn't she amazing? Everything's back to normal. Brilliant. They wouldn't cross their minds that because they're not very deep thinkers and also they've only got this <laughs> two-dimensional picture of her that there might be anything else going on there. I think you've been a bit harsh to say insensitive. Un- unthinking. Unthinking then, yeah. Unthinking. Yeah. But yeah. indomitable yeah. Is, a, is a great word uh, mm. for Linda. And, but you know, you know, it's like this fecking virus, sorry. And it's like... It's like cancer and it's like any of this shit. Sorry, I'm going to start ranting now. When people talk about he lost his fight with cancer, he lost his fight with the virus. It is not a fight. Losing a fight implies that you did not fight hard enough and that if you had fought harder, you had a chance of winning. It's not, you. it's not, a, and there's almost this moral thing. Oh, she's a fighter. She'll put her, it's like, that's why um, John Diamond wrote that book called um, Cowards Get Cancer Too. You know, it's not a fight. It's not about your, your will. Yes, a positive mental attitude has a beneficial effect on some, allegedly on some diseases. Yes, but I hate that language, that language of, of wartime, because there's kind of, um, there's an implicit judgment of, you were weak. You were weak to have given in and been ill and to have succumbed, lost the fight, for God's sake. And it's the kind of thing people say about, um, you know, oh, you'd never, you know, she's had this awful thing, you know, she had so-and-so, um, some, you know, somebody close to them died or something like that, this awful accident or whatever, but she was back again next week. You'd never believe anything happened to her. And you think, no, that's a bad thing. That means that nothing's been processed, that nothing's been thought about. Nothing's been, that person hasn't had any freedom to actually, or any time or any space to actually reflect on what happened to them. They've just flung themselves back into life again. And that doesn't mean they're a fighter. It means they weren't given the space to actually, sort themselves out. And Linda isn't being either. She's just being pressured by everybody. Go back and be what you were because we need you to do that. Uh, and that annoys me. And also this fight terminology annoys me as well. She's not indomitable. She's not a fighter. She isn't, she definitely isn't a fighter because she, you know, she said to Freddie, I'm not even sure you should have rescued me because look at me now. And then you have that pressure that you can't admit to saying, I don't want to be here. I wish you hadn't rescued me. I don't want to be a fighter. I don't want to be brave. I am feeling worried and frightened. And you get that sense, though, somehow I'm disappointing people by not rising to this bleeding challenge. Why do we make everything so difficult for ourselves? <sighs> Lucy? Stop now. Yes. Right, Lucy. Yeah. Um, you can tell me that the internet dropped about five minutes ago and you didn't hear any of that. <laughs> No, I, I got all of it. I got all of it and I was paying attention. Right. Yes. Um, yes. 
some sum me up in one sentence or an aspect of my personality. Go. What? Why? What are you on about? All right. The point I was going to try and make is yes. All right. Let let me let me hold up a mirror to you. Okay. You are uh, witty. Um, you have great social intelligence. Uh, you're very sensitive. Right. Here's just you know, three character traits. Right. If you had a terrible accident, okay, mm-hmm. which involved uh, long periods of treatment, then convalescence, I would want you to be those things again because that's the Lucy that I know. Yeah, I, I think, know. I think, right, <laughs> you are being really unfair saying that people want uh linda to be the linda that they want no they that they know there's been a linda beforehand and very simply though life is much more complex if somebody has a debilitating illness accident incident in their life you judge if they've got better by them going back to what they were before. So people just, it's a natural reaction for people to say, well, wait on a minute. She loved a microphone. Let's put a microphone in front of her. (laughs) It's not the right thing to do, but it's Am I going to be in a coma and you're going to be waving a microphone around in front of me to make a point? (laughs) I just think you had such a good rant there, but you missed the mark. And, and, when the Linda's first week in hospital, you know, I made the point of saying that Robert has been traumatized too. He hasn't been mm. physically burnt, mm. but he's been married to a Linda for 40 years. Mm. Understandable that for him to equate her being better or recovering is that Linda comes back. It's impossible. Because she's not burnt to a crisp, but she's got third degree burns. Oh, she's had the psychological, um, you know, uh, yeah, trauma of what's yeah. happened. Yeah, you know, but it's understandable a natural human reaction to say, well, if she can go, if she can do the old stuff that she used to do, she's all back to normal and it's all fine. Yeah, and we all do that. So it's not a case of me wanting if perish the, the thought that you know you get burnt in an explosion and whatever and i go no, go there's two weeks let's go you're gonna look again, so Lucy. bad if i do <laughs> <laughs> two weeks afterwards in a minute, I'm like, there's an Lucy, bang noise everybody Lucy, be monologues, please <laughs> let's get back podcasting because that's the <laughs> you know, right <laughs> but of course i wouldn't be so crass and so insensitive but in the back of my mind i would be thinking right well if it takes her five weeks, five days, five years to go back, you know, doing monologues and podcasting, she's back. She's normal. It's just human it's human nature. So whilst I take what you say, it isn't the whole picture. That no. people, you know, we... I'm right about this war thing, though. They're talking about the fight against whatever and lost his battle and blah-de-blah. Well, 
even that loose, there's another way of looking at that. No, right? there isn't. There is. There there's is. my way right? or there's the wrong way, as we like to call Lucy. it. Lucy. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whilst I don't think I go massively in for war analogies, right, but there is one way of looking at, you know, you losing a fight. Is it to say that you were attacked? Mm. You were... Um, and it's not a case of necessarily that you didn't have the, you know, the moral fortitude. You know, you couldn't get it together to fight this thing off. But it's a case of this thing has attacked you, okay, unfairly. So in that respect, you kind of understand, you can slightly view the war analogy in another way. It's not a case of, well, it was two equals going up against each other, knocking seven bells out of each other, and then the cancer won. Mm. You know, it's a case of this thing was unfair. You were attacked is another way of looking at that kind of war analogy. And and, and whilst I'm at it, uh, gentlemen of a certain age, of which I am one, uh, look after yourself health wise, because I had to go down down the clinic and have myself checked up down below. And um, I, I had a little bit of a, a worry, but it was only cysts. So so there you go. And um, I know. Did you have a chalfonts? <laughs> yeah. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> when 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 went this morning and um, That's, as it, as um it, rhyming slang overseas people rhyming slang Chalfont St Giles. And I uh yeah, typical bloke, just like, oh that doesn't feel right. Oh, it's mm. all right, you know. Six months later, that doesn't feel right, oh it'll be all right. And uh there in lies one of the reasons why us blokes uh, expire before women because yeah. we don't get ourselves checked out when we know that something is wrong so when the bloke said it's just cysts you're all right but i'll send the tests off anyway but don't but don't worry sleep soundly in your bed sir uh it was like a little bit of a weight off the mind so gentlemen of a certain age get yourself checked out for your prostate your knackers everything get them checked out get those rubber so, gloves snapped on mm-hmm. yeah i tell you that gel Lucy, rather cold, <laughs> rather cold. <laughs> you should go private. They warm it up on the radiator. <laughs> well, he did. He did. He did say he'd, he'd blow on them and rub his hands. But I <laughs> slap them on cold, Doc. Let's go. <laughs> Margot with a hard tea. Well done. Thank you. Do you know uh, what? Mm, go on. In in the era of the supermodels in uh-huh. the nineteen eighties, they. Uh, used uh, preparation H, which is a hemorrhoid cream, pile cream, mm-hmm. on their eyes to reduce eye bags because they shrink them. Oh, yeah, didn't know that. By the way, I've just realised your rhyming slang. I d- I don't have piles, no. Oh, yeah, cysts. Cysts on me knackers. Ooh, mm. how'd you get them? I don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Have well, you got I lumpy bollocks? Is that what you're saying? Well, I thought it was cancer. Lumpy bollocks, <laughs> You must know. Honestly, you must have been frightened, though. Mm. Conversation will continue, maybe after with a with the spoons call, if it's appropriate. It isn't. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, wishing you another good day in your homes and gardens. 
I'd like to pick up where our host left off last week. I don't think that Linda will be involved with uncovering Philip and Gavin as the evildoers. Linda needs to be fully invested in her rehab. Nor do I think she'll make any attempts at self-harm. Perhaps that's wishful thinking. But Linda's strengths are her intellect and creativity, both of which remain undamaged by the explosion. I think in time she will recognize this and be motivated toward recovery. In contrast, if our Lillian had been the one injured in the same way in the blast, she would ultimately struggle much more to get better because of the importance of her appearance to her, and Mm. I would worry that she would attempt suicide. But luckily, that's not the case. Now, who will be the uncoverer of Philip and Gavin? I part ways with Royfield here and think it will be Harrison. I was impressed with his questioning Mm. of Philip, which seemed to set up further investigation and traps for Philip to step in. Besides, it's time for hardworking Harrison to be rewarded for the commitment to his work. And if you follow James Cartwright, the actor who plays Harrison on Twitter, you know he's a nice guy, a dog person, and very easy on the eyes. Maybe a crossover to television. Sergeant Burns can be paired with an older, crusty DCI, and they can solve the many murders of Ambridge and across the rolling hills of the county. It could be called Borsetcher Murders. Gee, I think someone may have come up with this idea already. Oh, well, talk to you soon. Bye. He seems to have a completely different uh, appraisal of Harrison's interrogation <laughs> techniques as you'd. <laughs> Uh, I did. He didn't sound quite as convinced by Philip as I expected him to. Mm. There was a little something in his voice that may have been wishful thinking on my part, optimism. There was a little something in his voice when he said, no, that's it. We won't need to, we won't need to talk to you anymore for now or something like that. And it was just like a little bit, and when he said, so how did he get here? So if Gavin wasn't there with um, Blake, how did Blake get there? Oh, Gavin took him. Oh, okay. But he didn't stay. No, he didn't stay. And it was sort of, he wasn't just taking, there was just an element that made me think Harrisman isn't believing this quite as, uh, he isn't swallowing this quite as readily as I expected him to, which is good. Mm. I hope it is harassment. I don't care who bloody does it. I just want somebody to find out. Well, if we're looking at the evidence of last week, it's going to be Roy Tucker, isn't it? On the evidence of last week, <laughs> last week alone, you know, oh. Roy is like ferreting around and going, something's not quite right, Oliver. Um, <laughs> let let me go and speak to Blake. Yeah. Um, so... Maybe give give Roy Tucker something to do anyway. Yeah. And when Philip said, so will you be talking to Blake again? And Harrisman said, yeah, we may do. But he wouldn't say when or whatever because he doesn't want to, you know, Mm. say anything. I don't know. I just thought it was quite hopeful. Mm. Mm. All right. So uh, with a spoon. Uh, that That is upper upper lower east west side. Thank you for that, Mr. Spoon. Oh, now it's my Vicky. I love me some Vicky Cole. Hello, everybody. This is Vicky coming to you from sunny Sussex. Um, I hope everyone is well and in reasonably good spirits. Thank you, Dumpty Dum team, for contributing to keeping our spirits up. You always, always do. Thank you. Um, on the plus side, I am very much enjoying seeing the spring weather, the birds, the flowers, because normally I miss this. Um, 
but I do hope everyone is keeping well and safe. I'm very sorry for poor Linda, but it does seem very odd that Robert would not have discussed moving her bedroom with her while she was still in hospital, and very strange that she went to that big village function, and really, really awful that Kenton mm. tried to make her make a speech down at, oh dear, oh dear, what were they thinking? And Lucy, thank you for your words about Timbrook Taylor. I was so sad to hear that news. I I'm vaguely remember the goodies, but I absolutely love, I'm sorry I haven't a clue. Mm. Um, I saw a wonderful cartoon that somebody had done. It was Tim's funeral, and the vicar is saying, we will now sing Abide With Me to the tune of My Old Man's a Dustman. <laughs> and that really made me chuckle. It probably Aww. won't mean much to people who don't understand. I'm sorry I haven't a clue, but I liked it very much. Anyway, thanks for everything. I eagerly await your podcast every week. It is it's such a highlight. Take care, everyone. Bye. And you. Bye-bye, Vicky. Poor old Tim. Um, come on, Tim. Poor old Tim. <laughs> um, uh, yes, I know. It's d- d- Kenton's just tone deaf. He just gets that flipping megaphone in his hand and he just all sense kind of deserts him. Uh, all you know, And even he said at the time, he said... I'm sorry, I shouldn't have asked you. And you think, well, it's no good saying it now. You should have thought of that before. You know, you could see the woman's obviously sort of cringing away from the microphone, not wanting to be there and uh, at all, never mind speak. But yes, it was it was horrible to listen to. But I think the thing is about Robert, I think he genuinely thought it would be a nice surprise for Linda. Mm. Uh, he's just trying to... It was like somebody said on Twitter, that was his does she take sugar moment. You know, he's making decisions for her without asking her. But he is doing it from a good motive. But he's doing that thing that people do when people are ill or incapacitated in some way, which is just, I know what is best for you. And uh, that's a a horrible feeling. None of us enjoy that, whether we're ill or not. But when you're facing a massive life change, it must be hugely irritating. Well, he thinks it's going to aid her recovery. He, He wants, you know, normality. Or normalcy, mm. as the Americans would say. It's a case of, well, and also she'd had this campaign to keep the bull named the bull. So, mm-hmm. you know, you understand with him thinking, right, she was forefront of this campaign. This will give us some joy. This yeah, will give us some yeah. joy in her current circumstances and it spectacularly backfired. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. Poor Robert. Mm. All right, this is our last caller in a it's a, it is Monty you fancy, isn't it, Lucy? He's is your favourite. <laughs> I, I get confused favorite, between yeah. Monty, Merlin, Shifty Davy, and Christopher. <laughs> now, I think Christopher's moved up the ranks and Monty's dropped uh, to space. But anyway, I'm Monty, sorry. you need to pull your socks up, sir. <laughs> Hello, you two. Monty here. Um, I enjoyed this week. Um, I have to say, when Emma said uh, she was going to do something big, I was quite hoping that she was going to start um, money laundering for the Navarro drug cartel to uh, uh, to make some money um, in reference to Ozark that uh, Royfield recommended to us last week. I have to say, I agree. Fantastic bit of telly. Uh, really enjoyed the third season of it as well. And I highly recommend it to everybody. Um, as far as the Archers is concerned, really, really want the net to start um, closing uh, around, um, mm. around Philip. 
because um, I don't want it dragging on into uh, uh, coronavirus territory, which we are getting very close to. And I was upset to hear that this week that the the archers will be suspended for three weeks uh, while they sort all that out. So that was that's disappointing. Um, I really, really hope that people start putting um, one on one together and making two around the uh, the slavery plot line. Um, in the, it was quite uh, amusing to hear uh, um, the the interview um, technique um, when when Phil was um, when Philip was was interviewed uh, by Harrison. Um, nothing too heavy there, but surely the truth will out. It's got to, and I'm really really looking forward to seeing him being dragged down. Um, and the other thing I want to say briefly was I really don't want to see the Ed and Emma thing turn into sort of some sort of EastEnders type plot where they both want to get back together but things don't keep working out and it's dragged on and on and on. Mm. Yeah, I don't listen to the archers for that stuff. Um, it, I found it quite frustrating <laughs> this week and I hope they don't pursue that too much. Anyway, um, keep safe everyone. Hope you're all doing well. Speak to you next time. Bye. Bye-bye, Monty. Monty, I think we're three days into that country, aren't we? It feels to me as if that's what's been happening for the last, you know, month, really, with Ed and Emma. Um, mm. It doesn't feel like that's uh, that would be a new departure at all. It feels like exactly where this has gone and will head for the next, you know, well, hopefully not very long. But I really, I really do suspect that it's going to be some Jazza and Tracy intervention thing. Ugh, and that would be very tiresome. But I suspect that is where we're going. Mm. But you know, I'm... Um quite a sentimentalist right i know you are you soppy old git but like if that was to happen and it is a totally heartwarming romantic scene i'd forgive it after slagging them off and saying why did you have to have such a ham-fisted way of getting them back together and it's so hackneyed and you know tropified we've seen it a thousand times before but if the payoff it's a good one. I'll forgive it. I really will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, the older I get, the more I realise I love a rom-com. I love a Do rom-com. You? I know this is not a romantic comedy, but there is something about the construct of a rom-com, which is all about deft writing. It's all deft <laughs> writing. Do you, you know, know what? You... Do you know what? Go on. <laughs> My sister and I sat and watched the Bridget, the film version of Bridget Jones's Diary mm. the other yeah. evening, and we both just sat there staring at this thing. And it finished. And Charlotte turned to me and she just went, "She's mentally ill, then, is she?" <laughs> she, just, <laughs> she just couldn't understand why this woman will be behaving in this insane way, and uh, <laughs> it was kind of lost on both of us. <laughs> We just sat there completely. It was like watching a wildlife documentary. Why the hell would anyone behave like that? But anyway, yes. No, mm. it's not really my sort of thing. <laughs> I did watch The Time Traveller's Wife yesterday. Oh, yes. Did you Audrey like that? Audrey Niffenegger. Is that who it is? Yes. I know she's a, she's a cutesy thing. I know it's Eric Banner is the, is the dude. Yes. But I didn't like that. it's not that i didn't like it i was disappointed because it's heard... okay I've, I've never seen the film but the book's okay well i so that film's about three four years old now and it was quite good ratings and i remember i didn't see it at the time for whatever reason i thought no i need, need to see this i was expecting 
um, some kind of indie film, American mm. indie film. And no, this is a Hollywood romantic film. And it just kind of goes to underline my what, what I said before is that a good rom-com. And I would I would say that Bridget Jones is actually a very good one. You know, I'm not saying it's excellent, but it, but it's it's kind of up there. You know, you know they're going to get together, but it's how they're going to get together. It is, um, you know, those those comedy mistakes that w- which are made, which expose um, each character, etc. And then you know it's going to be resolved at the end, and 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 it's neat. And hopefully, you hope it isn't too pat and too trite. But considering you know where you've got to get to, and this couple are going to end up together. To keep your interest all the way through, it's got to be. It's got to be deftly written. It's got to be really. There's loads of social observation, you know, uh, which is kind of thrown into it. So, as I said before, I know this isn't a romantic comedy, but last week was it the week before? Because we commented on it last week. So it was the week before we had that domestic scene between Ed and Emma, and it was there to show us that they work together Mm. they fundamentally do fit together and they're good Mm. in the domestics in the boring drudgery of being parents they work so with that in mind they just need to overcome what's happened before in the past overcome it and then uh be able to look at each other a new in terms of this problem is not going to stop us being this you know going kind of good mm. competent couple together and the romantic in me just wants that and it's been set up for me to feel that way the way it's been written mm. <laughs> you know you know it's what i was saying about the english game that's a very cynical um product that netflix put out Julian Fellows, go and do another uh, Brighthead Revisited type thing or whatever, the, you know, English people, upper class people talking like that, you know, costume drama. We all love that. Blah, blah, blah. And whatever. But this time we'll have some of those working class oiks, mm. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's upstairs, downstairs, but there's enough of the oiks and there's enough conflict and there's da, 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 and whatever. Uh, you know what? And it just about worked. We've we're, we've been made to root for Ed and Emma, so we deserve the payoff. Everything that's gone before, she wanted the house. Ed tried to provide the house, you know, and so much so there is prepared to go into criminality mm. because he so wanted her dream to come true. He's a Grundy, she's a Carter, they're from the other side of the Ambridge tracks, but yeah, it, they can dream too. And he tried and he failed and he thought he just couldn't live up to her um, and what she wanted. Hence, he said, I can't be the man that you want me to be. Yeah. We're set up to root for them. <laughs> so I want a payoff. I want a payoff, Lucy. They've got to make it work. <laughs> we got any emails oh uh yes sister sally who um she was the nice lady who messaged in last week and said should she tell people on her dating profile that she uh is interested in the archers and we said yes and she said 
I've just found the Dumpty Dum shop on the webpage, so it is blindingly obvious that all I need to do is wear a Dumpty Dum t-shirt on any first date. Not the one that says, hello, you two, I wouldn't suggest. Anyway, not only will it be a brilliant talking point for any awkward pauses in the conversation, it will test their average metal. Very good. Well, yes. Mm. That would work, I'd say. Yeah. Is, is that all we've got? Yep. Oh, goodness. I was, I was there busy typing something away, but you, but you caught me out. Uh, right. Okay. Smashing. Let's move on then. Always be my maybe. That was the rom com which I recommend oh, that people should watch. What, what, what's the matter with you? Always be my maybe. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Be, be considering you're a bleeding heart ah. liberal like me, right? The two leads are non white. Right. That doesn't mean it's any good. This is the Rolls Royce. Of rom coms, and I said I've come to I've come to rom coms very late in life, right. very late in life, right? <laughs> Dismiss them, but I enjoy this window of, of enjoyment in before senile dementia strikes, and then you're watching. Oh, you know again. what? You know what? You are too cynical okay. for me. Way too Good. cynical, and it's a reason why this relationship between you and I is yes. doomed, doomed. doomed. Doomed, I tell you. Right, right, yes, because. I'm sunny uplands all the time, glass half full. You're all like, mm, it's all miserable. Riven, what happens? What happens like, when I ring you to say, are we doing this podcast then or what? I go, hi, how are you? And you go, uh, yeah. Honestly, the red light goes on. You're Tracy bloody sunshine. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know what we the do, hell we you're talking about. We do a total about. reversal I, I, of personality. I have not the second this podcast starts. I have not understood a one iota of what you just really? said i do not recognize myself in what you no, just that's said you have no self-awareness whatsoever. you sent me a text was it yesterday the day before oh bloody hell we're gonna have to stop doing dumpty dum then if they're not putting out new shows i said no we won't we'll just keep going yes i don't know it's your tone yeah that's typical it's your tone. miserable looking down <laughs> all, everything's doom and gloom Blah, blah, blah. And I went, no, we'll be fine. Huh? Anyway, uh, let's have a break. Come back the other side with a touch of the Millie Bells. Because, you know what, the sooner we get out and stop doing this bloody show, the better. Because I've had it with this Freeman woman. In <laughs> moon, moan, 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 moan. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Day, everyone. Well, as we now realise, we have fewer episodes a week, and yet we still manage to find lots and lots to talk about. And one of the questions we posed earlier in the week was that, that now that we've had lots and lots of clues, who is going to uncover the truth about Philip's nasty secret? And Lydon said, I think Kirsty will take a lot of convincing, whoever it is. She will persist in thinking Philip is being unjustly accused. And fair enough, too. Nobody wants to think the worst of their partner, do they? Uh, Sandra Jenkinson suggested it could be Oliver and Roy. The penny seemed to be dropping last night. And Lynn Soin Fletcher said Oliver as Shaggy, <laughs> Shula as Velma, <laughs> Kirsty as Daphne, and Roy as Fred, with Monty channeling Scruff, of course. Uh, Ruth Pearl said it will piece together with each adding a little bit and then brilliantly solved by harassment. Um, <laughs> Nala said, anyone and then please can we move on to a happier story? And Rosie McGlynn said, it's got to be joy. I can imagine her about to pop in through the French windows with some brownies when she overhears Philip and Gavin discussing the cover-up. She'll leap into Madge the Midget and get over to the health club at Gay <laughs> Grey Gables to tell Kirsty. She and Kirsty can then discuss what to do over a cream tea with Tracy and then Ambridge's version of Charlie's Angels can take action. That's my hope anyway. So some great predictions there and we'll of course let it play out and see who's right. Now one of the episodes finished with uh, someone saying that Ed wouldn't regret it and I wondered will Ed regret it? Um, And Melissa Williams says he already does the (laughs) pillock. Uh, Stephen Biden said but Emma has taken a big decision to move on with her life just as Ed gives it another go. It's like a really bad rom-com with none of the com, nor indeed any real rom. What next? Separated by COVID-19, they realise their true feelings. It's not just coronavirus giving Emma and Ed a fever. Pass the sick bag. Lisa Murray said, I've just realised he and Emma will live in a horrid Phillips house when he goes to prison and Kirsty falls for Roy. Why does everybody think that Kirsty's going to fall for Roy? This does puzzle me because she's had a lot of time to do that and she hasn't done that. So <laughs> I'm not sure that I agree with that prediction. I then did ask, there was that strange episode where Emma seemed to be letting Ed know what was happening and, you know, this is what's happening. And as, as, as I get more information, I'll share it with you. And then Chris seemed to drop that he knew more information. So I, I said, look, can you work out what's happening with Ed and Emma? Because I was mm. really confused. Elizabeth Llewellyn said, if Ed and Emma have such difficulty communicating, it stands to reason that their relationship is doomed. I hope they don't get back together. Ed deserves better. And the way Emma behaved towards him after the infamous house incident was unforgivable. Barb Daniel said, 
Danielson said, just so annoying. Doesn't make sense that Ed wouldn't have told her that he wants to try again after her confession last week, even if she's planning to move out, in fact, especially especially as she's planning to move out. I have no doubt they'll get back together, but for now, the scriptwriters are just stringing us along, hopefully to give Emma an opportunity to give Ed a proper apology and convince him she's changed her ways. And Sue Howard said, me too, it gets frustrating how often characters don't manage to say what they were intending to say, especially when they feel so strongly about it. Maybe I'm just an obdurate so-and-so, but I do like to say what I was going to say tactfully, of course. Um, I was actually going to put up another post asking what people would like um, the bishop's team or whatever they're called (laughs) to ask Shula, but I just thought that might get a bit out of hand, so I didn't. There was a great post put up by um, Gil Jennison or Jill Jennison. Sorry, I'm not sure which way to pronounce your name. And she said, a caller in error, I think it was Carol from the Highlands, asked if Ian knew his kitchen had been blown up. This is a good call. The more I think about it, Ian would have been straight back from Ireland, rebuilding the kitchen, wouldn't go ahead without the chef manager there to plan the refit. He would want to take advantage of the opportunity to refit his kitchen with the latest appliances. It's inconceivable that this work would be done without the chef's input. Does this mean Ian isn't coming back? I don't know about that. Uh, we had a fantastic uh, suggestion for doing haikus from uh, Witherspoon, who does our Saturday uh, snap, um, and they are usually very, very popular. And we also put up a couple of posts letting you know what the um, BBC and the Archers are going to be doing. They're going to delve into the archives temporarily. Um, uh, So that should be fun, especially for new people and even for those of us who've been listening for a long time. I also uh, posted up from uh, Timothy Bentinck's site uh, what it looks like where he's recording from. I thought that would amuse people and it does seem to have done. So that was our week and uh, I'm sure you've all been uh, self-isolating appropriately and that you, like myself, are really appreciating the love that comes from uh, some podcasts. And so I'd like to say thank you to everybody. You continue to amuse the hell out of me and I appreciate that. So until (laughs) I speak to you again, hooroo. Tatty bye. Tatty bye. All right, La Luce, um, mirror headlines. Let's go. Okay, uh, this is from The Guardian. And thank you to everybody that sent me this. It was about a billion people. Uh Uh, Man accidentally ejects himself from fighter jet during surprise flight. (laughs) 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 And Auntie Jean sent me this one, another airplane one. Mm. Slip of the false arm caused air crash. Written by Dr. Bran- uh, Mark Brannigan, a doctor crashed his plane after his artificial arm detached from a DIY gadget that he was using to pilot the aircraft. <laughs> An investigation has found. <laughs> <sighs> ah, yes. Uh, would you like tweets of the Vokken? Uh, uh, I would. Like tweets okay. of the Septimana. <laughs> uh, ben Johnson. Uh, any policeman with any sense would smell a rat in Philip's story. Sadly, though, they sent in Carpet, who is probably putting two and two together and thinking, ha-ha, bunting. Um, yes, uh, Paul Bottomley. Kenzie and Jordan sitting in a room. One went on a building job, then all we heard was boo. <laughs> <laughs> then he's put, maybe I need to brush up on lyrics. <laughs> Little Kim. This is an exchange between Little Kim and Flower Power Gardening. Little Kim said, ah, Sunday, 
poor Jesus must be confused. And flower power gardening put, yes, up and down like a yo-yo. <laughs> 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 um, uh, Mark B said, Roy is strangely persistent with scant grounds for suspicion, yet also grindingly slow. Yes, that's Roy summed up. And Tweet of the Week is John Porter, Pine a Pint. If Harrison was investing a suicide bombing, his final question would still be, had he ever done anything like this before? <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's it. I did want to say this before, and I I forgot. And the whole kind of cut and thrust of our yes Ambridge uh, discussions, um, but I don't get this whole thing where many people, you included, are bothered about the day of the week that it is. Um, I think because I genuinely like feeling as if I am tuning into something that's happening rather than well it's I think it's because I listen maybe on the radio at the time that it's on so I think what is happening in Ambridge at seven o'clock in the evening so I turn on the radio and there it is but everything Whereas that you, you hear listen, on the radio isn't happening at mm. seven o'clock on yes I day. know that I know that but somehow it still seems to make sense to me I don't know. But because you listen all over the place and at all different times, you you never know what day it, you never know what day it is in real life, Royfield. Never mind what day it is on the archers. But um so it kind of matters unfair, less to you. An unfair jibe. But anyway, <laughs> go on. <laughs> You've been calling me a miserable cow for the last hour, so there we go. I just thought I'd get mm, one back. Last um, ten minutes, I think you'll find. <laughs> But I think I think that's why, because I like to feel that my Wednesday is their Wednesday. And when my Wednesday is their Monday, I get very annoyed over Christmas because I never know what day they're doing things. Hmm. Clearly, I'm heavily lacking in imagination, aren't I? <laughs> but, but there's a whole cohort of listeners of which this is a real big deal. Yeah. To them. Yeah. And I, I just don't yeah. get it. I just don't get it. At best, I think... It's nice, in inverted commas, when they play cricket and it's on a Sunday. I go, oh, okay. The, 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 you know, the sync that up. But, like, it doesn't matter. But it seems to matter to a whole load of Archer's listeners. Yeah. I yeah. don't get it. I don't get it. I'll have a think about it. I can't really explain why, but there's definitely... Because this doesn't go with any other continuing drama no you know, on eastenders when i used to watch it, it was what tuesdays and thursdays it wasn't they, they didn't just deal with things that happened on a tuesday and a thursday they didn't no and i still enjoyed it for some 20 odd years before i went off it maybe it's even though <clears throat> what i'm listening to at seven o'clock isn't necessarily happening in ambridge at seven o'clock i like to feel that i'm finding out what's happened over that day that's why i always worry that big things are going to happen on a saturday when i'm not listening <laughs> 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 
folks. We have a website. It's called dumdydum.com. And um, I need to thank somebody who went onto our website and hit the donate button because there is actually a donate button on there. Her name is Sarah Passingham and she donated some some moolah to us uh, yesterday, I I do believe. Thank you, Sarah Passingham. Yeah, and the reason um, why I'm singling her out is because she wrote a little note when she donated her her, her dosh, and she said, "Haven't listened to Dum De Dum in a little while. Um, is it me, or has the sound quality uh, changed a little? Has it gone up? Um, I used to suffer from fluctuating sound quality beforehand, and yes, Sarah." Um, we have invested in some new kit. So we have a new way of recording of which um, a friend of Lucy's who she met online, uh, Ben helped us some three months ago with, with a new setup and we needed to buy a little bit of software. Uh, but also um, I bought some new editing software a couple of weeks ago. Uh, well, no, more than that, maybe about a month ago or so. So you probably will have noticed that the caller in a sound that little bit clearer and also the much more balanced uh, their levels compared to Lucy and I's. So um, it is, you know, we're not just on the take, on the make, um, asking you uh, for, for your cash, folks. We do actually put it to good use. And and it was really nice for, for Sarah actually to to recognise that while she gave us another donation. So, Sarah, uh, we thank you for that. And, yes, um, we do. We, we don't just spend it on champagne and cocaine, the donations that we get. I we, do. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> We do actually buy some kit with it as well. So uh, go on to dumdydum.com. We've got it. Well, don't go on to the shop. Don't buy anything just yet because in these coronavirus times, uh, you're not going to get it anytime soon, basically. Uh, but uh, you go on there and have a look at the T-shirts and as soon as the coronas are over, you can maybe go and buy and uh, and do and do all that kind of stuff. Um I'm floundering. Oh, yeah, Patreon, patreon.com. You can go on to dumdum.com and hit donate. Uh, You can set up a recurring payment via PayPal if you want to, or maybe the easiest thing is just go to patreon.com and give us $2 per show. Now, I have right royally messed up because I still haven't given the Patreons, and I'm going to do it tomorrow. Tomorrow, which is the 21st of April. You're going to get, if you're a Patreon, you're going to get Lucy's year in Ambridge. Now, I have listened to the recording. It was recorded by uh, by Claire from Clapham, and I think she did it on her phone. It's not the best recording, but if you just get through the uh, acoustic issues, there's some proper belly laughs in it. Lucy surpassed herself. Then... If you are a Patreon, you're going to get the audio version of my interview with Emerald, who plays Emma Grundy. It is up on the YouTubes and we haven't been bigging up YouTube uh, at all recently. So actually, Lucy, serious point now, but I'll, I'll say this completely on mic. In the script towards the start, we need to say YouTube, Lucy's Week in Ambridge, uh, that you need oh, to yes. go and watch it. Yeah, yeah, because YouTube, it... Lucy's Week in Ambridge. There we go. I've done yeah, it. but no, Marvelous. you've got to write it in the script so you don't forget oh, it for future. Okay. That's, oh, my right. That's, yes, my we'll that That's my point. That's my point. That's my point. Because ever the professional, I will do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because whenever we do mention it on the podcast, lo and behold, uh, you get more views on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're, we're now over uh, the. Uh, 
sky-high figure of 700. So we are inching ever closer to a thousand, which is incredibly important uh, for no other reason than it inflates our egos. So we've got more than a thousand uh, subscribers yeah. on the YouTube. Boy, do they need inflating. There you go. Because I haven't been at all dining out and living off the fact that neo-Nazis and uh, old men. <laughs> you can't around. dine out. You're not allowed. You have to dine in. <laughs> oh, that's you and, true. You and that's Wayne. True. Metaphorically. Metaphorically dining Metaphorically dining out. Um, oh, I'm having a Chinese tonight. The Chinese up the road has opened again, so I'm going to order that. Well done, Chinese. Um, uh, so, <laughs> patreon.com. Just don't have the two bat. <laughs> dollars. Sorry, what was that? I said, just don't have the bat. <laughs> Lucy, shame on you. Shame, shame, shame on you. <laughs> Number 33, without the bat. <laughs> Wuhan bat with stir-fried vegetables. <laughs> Considering, right, earlier on in this episode... I'm sorry. I thought... I so phrased this perfectly when I said <laughs> the English game was very cynical. It's for the ladies who like costume dramas. And you says, I beg your pardon. Right. I cannot believe oh, the same on. person that I had to clarify exactly that I was, you know, saying it was a very cynical m move. The way that they construct that program has come out with the joke. If you can call it that. That what you have about I'm sorry. I'm the sorry. Wuhan bat. I have not made the number any inappropriate jokes about this coronavirus for a three you, weeks. You, I'm not saying you sound like so a Brexit Lucy, but one like just you fell out. I it. <laughs> Holy camoly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mia Culpa. I will go and flagellate myself with birch twigs or something. <sighs> wow. I tell you what, all five <laughs> listeners we've got in China, we lost them now. I'm I know, telling I you. Know. Bye. See ya. <laughs> sorry. 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 <laughs> oi, 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 oi. <laughs> Racism, folks, you heard it here. I'm dum de dum. It's only taken 200, no, 325 episodes, but our true, I'm Lucy's sorry. true self has been revealed. <laughs> the lockdown's got to me. <laughs> <laughs> Now, okay. <laughs> so $2 per show gets you <laughs> extra content. You will get your Lucy's <laughs> year in Ambridge. I'm going to post that tomorrow. It oh. will get you the audio <laughs> of uh, my interview with Emerald. And next week, you'll get the audio of my interview <laughs> with Ben, who, funny enough, plays Ben Archer. Um, which those two interviews will be on YouTube, but you will get the audio of those. Uh, if you um, give us the princely sum of $2 per show, you get extra content. That's the whole point. And it means that um, we we can just pay for stuff around here at Dumpty Dum Towers. And just whilst, whilst, whilst we're on this, I would like to give a special thank you and big ups to Mr. Yokel Bear and to Miss Millie Bell 
Yes. Who uh, we don't thank enough for their contributions around here. So I'm thanking them now. Now, remember, um, this show ain't jack shit without you. And I'm looking at you. Yes, you. Pointing the finger at you. We need you to get in contact with us. Send us your voicemail messages. You can do this if you uh, click on SpeakPipe, which is on our website, dumtodum.com, or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a message on a regular phone. So you've got two options, SpeakPipe on your laptop, on your mobile, or if you want to get your phone out, 02030313105. Leave us a message via a regular good old-fashioned telephone. Now, Twitter. We is, uh, I was going to say big on Twitter, but compared to Barack Obama, who's got like, goodness, like 15 million followers, we're not that big on Twitter. We're moderately sized. We're, we're perfectly sized on Twitter, but we need more followers on that social media platform, folks. So why don't you go on to Twitter and follow us? You can follow us where we're at Dum De Dum. Yokel Bear kind of masquerades at Dum De Dum, but also you can follow him where he's at Yokel Bear. I can be found at Royfield and Lucy can be found at Lucy V. Freeman. <clears throat> and of course, uh, there is another social media uh, platform, one that Lucy is like a vampire in the sunlight about. Like, she don't like it. She's not on there. She doesn't even That's mention it on the script. That's the vampire mention this show. Yeah. Huh. Oh, bats. No. See, I said that Alan was a Church of England vampire mm. because he disappears and then only reappears at certain times. You've just said vampire something, and one of the caller inners said, oh, he said Peggy was a vampire. And that she was going to go flapping off down the road. No, <laughs> like a cockroach. She said, like a vampire. Yeah. Mm. Was it? No, it was Waking Kraken said that, I think. Yeah. True that. All so right. this week is episode is sponsored by vampires. By Vlad the Impaler or something. Yes. Ho, 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 Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> uh, so, but I don't mind Facebook. And I definitely appreciate the effort of Dum De Dummers that marshal all of our Facebook offerings. That'd be one Millie Bell, one Yokel Bear, and one with a spoon. So if you like a little bit of Facebook action, go onto Facebook and type in Dum De Dum and let the action commence. Go swim around in it. Have fun, message, post, do whatever people do on Facebook. Ah, now uh, it's the end of the show and uh, I've just remembered that I've forgotten any play out music. This is a new thing and I don't know whether it's not a new thing that I've forgotten. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new thing that we have play out music. As opposed to all the old things that you forget. Really. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to throw throw this question to my uh, podcast co-host, uh, Lucy V. Freeman. Lucy. If you yeah. were in charge of this podcast, yeah. and you kind of are, but if you were in total charge and didn't have to like worry about my sensibilities at all, and you could play one bit of music in these corona-addled times, what would it be? Well, the last time I suggested this, you went all huffy because I said I wanted a bit of... Um... Uh, I wanted Noel Coward, and you and you played it reluctantly, but you moaned about it for about twenty minutes. Lucy, it was number one. What? I didn't have twenty minutes to complain about it. Number two, I did actually play it. Number three, uh, I actually no. quite like Noel Coward. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, 
So come so on. You were just tricky. Some 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 of what I do is pure shtick. Is it? Yeah. Just to go, oh God, it's you doing mm. all your old stuff again, blah, blah, blah. Now, come on. Oh God. Uh oh, I know. Um uh, Free Little Birds, Bob Marley. Hmm. Why? Just to Why cheer so? everybody up. Because it's so awful and there's nothing most of us can do about uh, what's happening and we're all just stuck in the same boat so we have to appreciate very small things that are okay so everything that is okay we should just not worry about and just get on with enjoying it you know what that is an excellent excellent choice and actually i've got a little bit of a story here with that so, I've changed my mind. <laughs> it's only a little no, oh, Don't be horrible. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, no. You carry on. I'll do my waitress. Do you know? You carry on. <laughs> do you know which football team has that as their song that they sing before every match? No, I didn't know any of them did. There Jamaican football team. You might think that it's Ajax of Amsterdam. Really? And it's because Bob Marley was actually a very good footballer. And he loved Ajax of Amsterdam. So they adopted Three Little Birds, actually, as oh, their unofficial nice. anthem. So started off with the away fans singing it, but now they play in the stadium. And Bob Marley's kids have gone to the stadium and have sung it. It is utterly... It, the hairs on the back of your neck go up. Now, I discovered this because um, five, six years ago, when I was doing How Jamaica Conquered the World, after doing the end of the Bob Marley episode, I wanted to demonstrate how the music and the lyrics of Bob Marley have gone all throughout the world. So I did this yeah. one episode, which is voiced by a UN peace ambassador who was a child soldier in, oh goodness, forgetting the name of the West African country. But he's a child soldier in West Africa. And whilst in between the fighting he read the lyrics of Bob Marley and he managed to escape he wanted to emancipate himself from mental slavery and he's now a UN peace ambassador and he goes all around the world and he says it's the lyrics of Bob Marley then the other example that I found after doing an extensive Google and I remember it was four o'clock in the morning and it was Ajax of Amsterdam fans singing in Cardiff and they were singing Three Little Birds oh. and after searching for three hours i burst out crying lucy oh it was the most <laughs> like i went i found it and i started oh. crying and i was laughing and i was crying and, yeah. and it wasn't just it was like literally three hours of searching it's four o'clock in the morning and i didn't know about this at all right it wasn't somebody tipped me off and i had to just find it, it was it was search google search this that and whatever and it's the most beautiful rendition and it is 500 Dutch people in Cardiff singing the song of a Jamaican pop musician. You know, you, when you think about it that yeah. way, it's totally bizarre. Yeah. And they just go, and afterwards they clap and go, Ajax, Ajax, and the team comes running out and you go, wow, you know. Mm. The power, the power of uh, lyrics and melody. So that's a perfect fitting end. That's Dum De Dum. Uh, we'll see you all again in seven days' time. See ya! <laughs> you racist. <laughs> oh my God, Freeman. <laughs>
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 